Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Today, I want to talk to you about putting our personal spiritual house in order, especially in a season of transition, when someone we assumed would be around passes out of our life. It's hard to let go of people who are a big part of your story in terms of your walk with God. People, sometimes they hurt us. Sometimes those who once claimed to even love us end up persecuting us. So when I first came to know the Lord when I was just 18 years old, there was a gal who kept prompting me. She was like full of the Holy Spirit, full of joy, full of Jesus. She kept prompting me, hey man, you should check out this Bible study. You should go to this thing. I think you'll really enjoy it. And she was really used as a catalyst to help me take my first steps toward Jesus Christ. Well, a year later, I was in a class with her and she had become so antagonistic to Jesus, so antagonistic to the gospel. She would raise her hand and try to point out things that were wrong with Christianity. What is going on with people when they're turning against the Lord or even turning against us seemingly unfairly. I didn't have a grid for what this gal was doing. How do people start one way, but then end up a very different way? I believe Peter experienced a profound test right at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry that made him better. And I believe this stuck with him and influenced the wise leader he became. Now, Judas also experienced a test, but he didn't pass it. Peter had a fall, but he had a contrasting fall to Judas. Now, we're all going to experience relational disappointments in our lives. I believe Judas was a relational disappointment, not just a disappointment of like what he did to Jesus, but a relational disappointment to the rest of the disciples. And we're going to learn from that today. As we process this, it may help you to reprocess some of the relational tests you've experienced. See, everybody gets tested. There's a question that is going on in the New Testament that is, of those who are running the race with us, who will finish well, who will finish poorly, and who will turn out to be a pretender? When we stand before God, when we die, some will hear, well done, good and faithful servant, according to Jesus' promise in Matthew 25, 23. Others are going to hear, you're escaping through fire. You'll be saved, but your work was shoddy and burnt up. That's what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 3. And still others are going to hear, I never knew you. Largely, you were participating for self-centered reasons, according to Matthew 7, 23. My friends, while we're on earth, everyone gets tested or salted or sifted. Rick Warren says in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, Character is both developed and revealed by tests. And all of life is a test. You're always being tested. God constantly watches your response to people, problems, success, conflict, illness, disappointment, and even the weather. He even watches the simplest actions, such as when you open a door for others, when you pick up a piece of trash, or when you are polite toward a clerk or a waitress. We don't know all the tests God will give you, but we can predict with some of them based on the Bible You will be tested by major changes, delayed promises, impossible problems, unanswered prayers, undeserved criticism, and even senseless tragedies. 
What does the Bible mean when it uses different terms for difficulty? Well, one of the words it uses is test. What happens when we test something? We say, let's see what this does. If you're testing out a chair at the furniture store, you're going to sit down on it. You're going to apply pressure to it to see how it works. How does the thing do under pressure? God tests us and says, how are they going to do under pressure? Is my character going to come out or is something else going to come out? Another term that the Bible uses for difficulty is to be salted. Now, when something is salted, what, is it, what does it do? It grows in flavor. And for us, that means we grow in differentness from the world. Part of the Old Testament story is the constant reminder of how easily God's people can lose heart and lose their distinctiveness. Finally, one more term that the Bible would use is sifted. When something's sifted, it's put through a sieve to remove that which is valuable from that which is not valuable. There's too much blend of good and bad. This is a muddy mix of stuff. And God is seeking a more pure version of one or the other. In Luke 22, 31 and 32, Jesus said to Peter, I'm paraphrasing now, he said, you're about to be sifted. Satan wants to use it to destroy you, but I'm going to use it so that you won't fear men near as much anymore. When you recover, I want you to lead my people. Friends, here's what we know. God's servants are tested and not all make it. Not everyone who seemed to start well will finish well. Think about people like King Saul. Man, he started really well, did not finish so well. Think about people like Samson. Man, he had a life that was supposed to be so profound, and yet he largely missed his calling through a Hail Mary at the end, Uh, but mostly he missed what God wanted to do in his life. There are those who Paul finally describes as enemies of the gospel in the New Testament. Now, there is a positive here. It's good in some sense that When people betray us, it makes us not overly dependent on people if we can get through that test with forgiveness. So since we have no guarantees that everyone who seems like they're really in this Jesus thing will stay in it or finish well, we must be able to press forward in God's will for our lives even when others don't continue in the faith. See, part of transitioning into new seasons well, into a new move of God, is knowing that occasionally some people aren't coming with us. Now today I want to give you two reminders that will help you still walk in victory when people you thought would be there are transitioning out of your life. Picking up where we left off a couple weeks ago, the disciples have witnessed Jesus' ascension. Jesus had told them to go and wait and pray. Now, they've just gotten through a major season. They've had a lot going on. And now the disciples have time to slow down, to think about everything that's happened, and to pray. Picking it up in Acts 1, verse 12, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. Now, this is about a half a mile, so not very far. Verse 13, When they'd entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is Peter and John and James and Andrew. I won't list them, all the rest of them. Now, it's important to remember they're going up to an upper room, and this upper room may have actually been the very same upper room where they'd experienced the Last Supper. Either way, it's a room that is very much like that. It was familiar. And imagine the memories that are flooding back. There's someone who's not there, and that is not only Jesus, but it's Judas, verse 14, these with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Now notice, in the midst of transition, they're waiting on Jesus' promise 
these early believers were praying with one mind. Prayer begins to appear as a mark of the early church. They'd had a sense of expectation that God was actually going to do something. That's why they prayed, because they believed Him. They weren't just praying even. They were stirring themselves up to prioritize prayer. When they were fearful, they prayed. When they were confused, they prayed. When they were waiting for God to fulfill His promise to them, they prayed. Those are all the appropriate triggers for us to be praying as well. When they needed an answer to a question such as, who are we going to use to replace Judas? They prayed. We start to pray when we believe that God is actually going to do things in response to prayer. Verse 15, at this time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren. Now, just as Jesus prophesied, Peter stands up and takes his leadership place. Peter gave a great lesson right here in healthy biblical leadership. He has a combination. He's got insight, but he's also got practical action. Continuing in the, in the word, it says, A gathering of about 120 persons was there together and said, verse 16, Brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled. This is referring now to Psalm 69 and Psalm 109 which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was counted among us and received his share in this ministry. Now, verse 18 and 19 is Luke's aside about this event. Verse 18 says, Now this man acquired a field with the price of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and his intestines gushed out. Beautiful. And it became known to all who were living in Jerusalem, so that in their own language, that field was called Hakeldema, that is, field of blood. Now, just so you know, what probably happened was Judas went, hung himself, felt like the rope broke, his gut spilled out all over the place, and the Pharisees that he'd originally gotten his 30 pieces of silver from, and he threw it back to them, they purchased this field, uh, and it was known as the field of blood. Picking back up in verse 20, For it is written that in the book of Psalms, Let his homestead be made desolate, and let no one dwell in it. Let another man take his office. Now, two major things just happened right there. Number one, Peter intimated that Judas was one of them and now wasn't. And number two, Judas has to be replaced to set things in the right spiritual order. Let's start with the first one. Let's talk about why this might have been harder than it appears to us. Verse 17, what did it say? For he was counted among us and received his share in the ministry. Peter's saying, Jesus picked him just like he picked me. He walked with us and he shared our victories and we, we thought he was part of the family. Have you ever camped with someone for three years? You think you'd share your heart and dreams with them after all that time? Peter hadn't known Judas would fall. This was a personal and relational disappointment. Recognize that right here at the dawn of the church age, Jesus gives us a principle. Not everyone you start with is going all the way. This should produce humility and a right kind of fear. Even in the ministry of the first apostles, not everyone made it. You know, I know that as Kenzie and I have traveled the past 24, 25 years with the Lord, there are people that I honestly thought would, would be with us. There's people who maybe they moved away, and that's kind of the best version. But there's also people, a few, that we've had relational fallings out with. And you know, you gotta do everything you can do to stay right with people. And as far as it depends on us, you gotta be at peace. But sometimes it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't work. People just don't want 
to do that. And, you know, sometimes later on things are restored and that, those are great stories as well. But we have to sometimes lay a relationship in the ground. We wanted it to be blessed, but people respond differently to their tests. Maybe we didn't pass all of our tests. And there's an emotional loss that should be processed with the Lord. Last week, Kenzie mentioned that there comes a time, and it's happened in her life, it's probably happened in your life, where there's a relationship that needs to be laid down. And even she used the, the image buried and putting flowers over that thing. And certainly God can raise the dead if he wants to. But can I just warn us all? It's not for us to stand around and just watch the grave. Make peace with it and move on with life. We have to be willing to press on when people pass out of our lives for one reason or another. We should pray for others that they would pass their test, but we have to be determined not to emotionally cling to people or seasons that could dilute our focus or progress. And sometimes you have experiences that you really just need to delete them for a while and process it later. I've had both kinds. I've had stuff where it's like, no, nah, Jesus is like, no, nah, Carter, you need to process this. But there's other times you're just like, dude, just let it go. Just delete that file. Just move on. And if it needs to be processed, we'll process it later. So what am I saying? At the end of the day, we need to remember that we can't take responsibility for how other people respond to their tests any more than Peter could take responsibility for Judas. Years ago, I feel like the Lord really, he laid the scripture on my heart, said, no man can by any means redeem his brother or give God a ransom for him. He was saying to me, hey, Carter, at the end of the day, people have free will and they make their own choices and you can't force somebody to want me. We never desert anybody, but we don't wait up for people that are clinging to the world and we don't force people to come with us who just don't want to. What do we do instead? We thank God for what we learned and we let go so we can press on in the will of God. Well, not only is not everyone necessarily coming with us, but number two, press forward in God's original revealed will. Judas had to be replaced to set things in the right spiritual order. So Peter, studying the Bible, is having revelation on some Old Testament scriptures. He discerns that the Holy Spirit had already predicted Judas's betrayal through the writings of David. What was he reading? He was reading verse 20. It said, For it was written in the book of Psalms, Let his homestead be made desolate, and let no one dwell in it, and let another man take his office. It's interesting to me that it's during prayer, in the midst of many other believers, that he's getting this word from God. This is important. They were together. The temptation when we're going through transition is to isolate. But there were 120 people here together praying. I think that really speaks to some of us introverts. I think we need to remember there was significantly significant progress in the will of God for one person because they were surrounded. 120 people is a lot of people, man. They were surrounded with people. That's when God revealed what he wanted to do. So yes, sometimes, babe, you just got to get alone. You got to get in that prayer closet. But other times, you've got to get around people. Peter discerns not only do they need to pray, but they need to get their spiritual house in order. Sometimes we're so focused on the next thing that we miss the previous things that we haven't entirely finished obeying in yet. Sometimes we're not seeing breakthrough because the spiritual house of our lives has to be put in order first. Incidentally, what's happening, what's happening with Peter right now is he's experiencing a rhema word from God. A rhema is a word from the word. This coming week, we're putting out 
a podcast via the Bible Leadership Podcast on rhema words. This means it's a word that God speaks right now from the Bible to our hearts. It was always written, but now God is making it very unique to us. So go ahead and make sure you sign up at BibleLeadership.com to get that this Wednesday. Now, why did a new apostle need to be chosen? Because God's promises weren't just to the people in the church age, but still to the 12 tribes of Israel. Part of the apostolic office that Peter's a part of included being a representative extension of the promises to Israel. The apostles were part of the program for Israel, not an offshoot from it, not a divergence from it. This was always how the plan of God was supposed to go. This move to replace an apostle represents the reality that God is still going to be faithful to every one of his promises, even to the ones he made centuries ago to the children of Israel. The first period of the church's growth was in Israel. It was in the Gospels that the apostles had this special role in relationship to Israel. Luke 22, 28, Jesus is describing this promise. What did he say? He said, you have stayed with me in my time of trial. And just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. No tribe is left out. Even if there's a Judas, even so, there must be an apostle to sit on these 12 tribes of Israel. Now, some of that is heavenly stuff that we just can't possibly really understand. But I want you to notice there's a divine order here that we're going to see play out in the book of Acts. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the very ends of the earth. Now, Paul comes in later, but he's an apostle to the Gentiles, not to Israel in the same way that the others were. Why does this matter to us if we're not even Jewish for many of us? Well, we need to guard against making the gospel us-centric on a personal level. This should remind us that God has a much larger plan than just our own lives. We are not God's end game. God has a plan. Some of it you and I know about. Much of it we don't. And Gentiles themselves, anyone who's a non-Jew, should, according to the New Testament, have appreciation that we're in the vine at all. God has larger plans than just us and our day-to-day -day problems. Church is at its best. So here at the foundation, as we're discovering what church is, church at its best is when we remember that we are part of a larger plan that is greater than just our generation. Before the Holy Spirit was gonna be poured out on the church in a way that had never happened before, Peter knew he had to replace Judas. Are you waiting for God to do something? Set your spiritual house in order. Do everything you know to do while you wait on God in your transition. Somebody write in the chat, put your house in order. Think back to people like Jacob. He did get the riches that he was chasing when trying to swindle his way into a birthright, but only after his dramatic humbling, which included surrender and mindfulness of his own manipulative tendencies. What do we do? We ask the Lord, Lord, show me if there's anything that needs to be put in order before I can move forward. Get our house in spiritual order. Really trust Jesus with your sin and with your life. Put God first in your finances and in your relationships. Put God first in your priorities. Put God first in taking a Sabbath. Put God first and prioritize serving. Are you postponing anything else? Are you postponing submitting to your husband? 
Are you postponing reconciling with a friend or forgiving somebody or praying with someone on the fly as God lays that on your heart? Are you postponing getting away from an unhealthy relationship? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to have influence in what you watch and what you eat and who you spend time with and where you go? Are you just, you know God wants you to do something, but you need to put your spiritual house in order? Sometimes I know it's a little bit hard. I knew a guy once uh, I met years ago who told me that before he came to know Christ, he was actually a thief. He would break into people's houses and steal their stuff. He wasn't, he was just like 18. Like it wasn't even very old for a thief, but he would break in. And once he got saved, he felt like maybe I should go confess this to some of these people. And most of the Christians told him, nah, you don't got to do that. Um, you know, God just forgives you. Just put it behind you. But he felt like, no, the spirit keeps laying on my heart. I need to go knock on this door, tell these people I was a crook and stole all their stuff. And he did it. I was so, like, proud of this dude. And, you know, it was an awkward situation. But at the end of the day, he walked away from that experience knowing he had done everything he could do to obey the Lord. You know, I remember so clearly, some of you have heard this story. There came a point in my early dating career with Mackenzie Carter, who was Mackenzie Cantor at that point. We could not see God do anything else in our lives until we embraced a higher level of purity. It's true. I'm ashamed to admit it, but there was just stuff that we were doing that Christians shouldn't be doing. And it's not as bad as you could imagine, but it was halfway there and it just wasn't what God wanted. And he laid on my heart, look, man, you, I can't do anything else until you guys lay this down. And my friends, almost overnight, some of you heard the story. I took Kenzie to the park. You know, we talked about it. She was crying, which made me feel really good. Um, but almost overnight, God began to elevate our influence because we laid that down. Is it possible you're just thinking something to death instead of getting on to obedience? We need to quit thinking about it sometimes and we just need to move forward. Just jump, just do it. I want to encourage you today. Stop thinking about it. Just jump in and do it. My friends, we all get tests. We have to be able to press forward in God's will for our lives even when others don't continue in the faith. For some of you, you've been putting off giving your heart and life completely to Jesus. You keep sliding back into your own terms instead of God's. Today, I want to walk you through trusting Him with your sin and with your life. You need to know that Jesus loves you and He has a good plan for your life. But no matter how virtuous you could ever be, you can never be good enough. That's why He died on the cross for you. Now, you and I so often are looking to find our identity in what we do or what we say or what we accomplish. But no matter who you are or what you've done, you really need your identity in being what you are. And that's his. Jesus loves you and died on the cross for you. He understands you in ways that no human could ever understand you or could ever fulfill you. Jesus alone really can fulfill you and you'll never be fulfilled until you have your identity in being right with him, forgiven by him, accepted by him. He's the only way you'll ever really be happy in life. And when you trust him to forgive your sins, he calls you his very own and you will be forever. It's the simplest thing in the world. If you want that, then pray with me right now. Hey Lord, we cannot outrun you and it's so foolish to try because all you wanna do is embrace us and forgive us 
and bless us. So right now, we come to you, God, in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that he died on the cross for us. Lord, we've been searching for identity in places that aren't you. And I know you made each one of us special, but we need our primary identity in who you are and who you've made us to be in you. And so we just come. We don't bring any offerings. We don't bring anything other than ourselves. And we say, Jesus, I need you to take center stage. I need you to forgive all my sin. I need you to help me do this Jesus thing. Even when I stray, I need you to pull me back. Lord, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I give you my heart, my sin, my life, my mistakes, my faux pas. God, everything is in your hands. And I trust that you really do love me. You really do forgive me. And you're really going to take me all the way home to heaven. Now give me your Holy Spirit to help me each and every day of my life know you better and represent you better. In Jesus' name. My friends, if you prayed that prayer, congratulations. You are a biblical Christian. Do me a favor, and if you're watching digitally, raise your hand in the chat, designate it somehow, or maybe reach out to one of those prayer people. Let them know the decision you made today. Congratulations. Folks, thanks so much again for being with us today. Love you so much. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this, why not subscribe? Share it with your friends. Click on the share button and take a screenshot and then share it on social media or your social stories. Hey, whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Thanks for listening.